Well, it's kind of funny because one of the comments, I'm sure any surrogate who is experienced or considering it um, gets asked or commented back to them is like, I couldn't do that. Like that is like a go-to response that I'm sure you've heard a million times as well. It's like somebody will say, I couldn't do that. And so how do you know if you can do that? Whoever thought making a baby could be so hard? Luckily, the fertility journey isn't meant to be traveled alone. Eloise Drain has helped hundreds of people build and grow their families over the last 15 years. And she's ready to share her insider knowledge and expertise with you. So grab a seat and let's talk fertility and alternative family building in the Fertility Cafe. Welcome to Fertility Cafe. I'm excited today because I have um, one of my repeat gestational carriers because we've worked together now for a number of years, right? Yep. Definitely. It's been yeah, so, five years by now. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm excited to introduce everybody to Rebecca Hills. She is a phenomenal woman. I do have to say so myself. Um, and not just because she's a surrogate, but you'll you'll learn a little bit from her and then you'll see. Um, and because she has a huge heart. Um, and so I'm excited so that to share um, from a GC's perspective about becoming a surrogate and what that looks like and um, her experiences. And um, so, yeah, so welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, okay. First, let's kind of get everybody to know you a little bit and a little bit about your background and um, about your kiddos. Um, so if you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of the surrogacy side. All right. So let me give you a very brief overview. Um, I, let's see, I've, I've got two of my own kids. Um, my son is actually 21. My daughter is almost seven. So I've got my good age gap there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I am a full-time executive assistant, so I work outside the home. Um, I have Let's see, I have a food blog. I have an obsession with taking pictures of what I'm eating and sharing it with people. And, um, and let me just boss. say, some of them have been amazing. Like, I've seen some and I'm like, oh my God, that looks so good. <laughs> and we uh, spent a few years fostering puppies and dogs as well. Um, so that's kind of the personal side. And then lots and lots to tell on the surrogacy side. So Yes, yes, lots there. So... On the surrogacy side, um, I'm curious, like what, what first made you um, consider surrogacy and what kind of made you know that this was a path that you wanted to go down? So it's kind of funny because one of the comments, I'm sure any surrogate who is experienced or considering it um, gets asked or commented back to them is like, I couldn't do that. Like that is like a go-to response that I'm sure you've heard a million times as well. It's like somebody will say, I couldn't do that. And so how do you know if you can do that? Um, and I think for me, it was a lot of self-reflection and considering, but it, it, my journey started, oh geez, when my son was probably two or three years old, my, um, my ex-husband was in the Marines and being on a military base, we were getting kind of slammed with egg donor ads because they were really hitting the military families and like looking for the spouses who might be willing to be an egg donor. And if you do any kind of research on egg donation online, of course, you get connected to everything third party, which of course led me to gestational surrogacy. Um, and I started reading and going, oh my gosh, people do this. 
people carry a child for another family who can't do that. And I've just, my mind was blown. Like, I mean, I'd never heard of it before. And I just, I sat there and I turned around and looked at my, you know, two, three-year-old child who's playing with rescue here, rangers or whatever on the floor. And was like, I cannot imagine this kid not being in my life. I just couldn't. And so there was that moment of like, I want to do this for somebody else. I want somebody who might not have had a chance otherwise to have this experience, to, to look at their own child and raise them and, um, just experience their personality and, and just all the joys that come with motherhood and being a parent. So that was kind of my initial um, eye-opening eye and um, discovery and starting to explore what that meant, what that looked like, how I felt about it. Um, and it wasn't until actually years later that I ended up actually pursuing it when um, I actually had my own loss in 2006, um, unplanned pregnancy. And at the same time, I had a friend going through IVF for herself it was kind of a culmination of like, I want to do this. Like I, I wasn't trying to, we weren't trying to expand our family, but like it's just going through that and then watching what my friend was going through. It's like, I really, really want to do this. Like it was just very heavy on my heart. So that was the beginning of when I actually started pursuing gestational surrogacy. It was back in 2006. So, and um, at the time, obviously, um, you had mentioned you have an ex-husband, but at, at the time, I know you were married. So right. what was your, what was his thoughts at that time when you kind of brought that to him and said, this is something I really want to do and it's on my heart? He was definitely the one I had to convince. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and he was the reason that I, we didn't pursue it initially. He was like, you know, we're in the military right now. Like things are kind of in flux. Like this is just not, I'm not comfortable. And of course, if, if you are married, that is incredibly important to be a hundred percent a team unit going forward because you need your spouse's support. You need their buy-in that you're going to need their time. You're going to need their blood work. You're going to need their urine. Like they have to be, I mean, like there's just a hundred percent involved. Like they've got a son, they've got to be at all the signings and it's, they have to be supportive. So of course, you know, when he initially said he was the reason that we waited a few years, like I wouldn't have even dreamt about trying to <laughs> go any further than right there, that conversation. So, so when it came back up around, it was, you know, it had been several years and we were in a much more non-military in our home and, you know, everybody had jobs that weren't, we weren't going anywhere anytime soon. So it was a better time for us. And it was just kind of one of those heart to heart conversations where I just kind of was like, I can't get this off my heart. I was like, I know you're concerned that I'm going to have attached. Like that was his biggest concern was that I would be attached and I would be hurt afterwards because I have a huge heart and I get very attached to people and mm -hmm. can be emotional. But I think those are good things. Like as long as you've really taken a moment to evaluate like where you stand mm -hmm. and what you expect out of this experience and what you you know, your worst case and best case scenarios. Like as long as you're aware of what your piece of it is and what you may or may not end up with at the end, like you just have to be open to the fact that it might not go. It's not going to go the way you planned. I think that's it. As long as you can let go of any preconceived notions about how you will be bonded at the end or what relationship you're going to have. Like, and if you can be okay with just your participation in creating a miracle and everything else is icing on the cake, I think that you're good, like going into it. I think that's about the best attitude you can have. Yes. It's a hope, it's a hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. I definitely, yeah. I definitely agree with that one. So what about your family? 
So my family was always, I actually, like the very first time that I did this, I made a point of like reaching out to my mom, my dad, like even kind of like my aunts, I kind of did it like a blast email because I didn't want anybody going, what the heck is she doing now? Like, what, what is she involved in? And like hearing roundabouts, like I wanted them to know from me why I was doing this, why I felt it was important. And then they could do with that information what they wanted. So mm-hmm. I kind of blasted everybody the first time was like, this has been in my heart for a long time. I've done tons of research. We have a great agency that's going to make sure everything's done properly. Um, and if you have any questions, let me know. And all I, I didn't get, you know, replies from everybody, of course, but my mom thought it was great. And everybody else kind of was like, okay, Becca's doing one of her things again. <laughs> that was mostly the attitude I got. But like, everybody thought it was great. Like nobody gave me anything. Like I didn't get any negative feedback from anybody. It was mostly like, you're, you're doing your thing again. That's kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. So I'm curious as to your experience for your first journey. So would you kind of, if you even remember, because I know there's like details that you don't recall anymore, especially, you know, once it's so long ago. Um, I know. But um, do you remember your first journey? I I do. And I think because it was the first time, there's certain things that really stick out in your memory because it was like a complete you have no idea what to expect going in. You just don't know. And so every piece along the way was like kind of a discovery. And there was so much impatience and hurry up and wait and excitement. And, you know, and it's just like you, you just want everything to go super smoothly and then it doesn't. And then you're frustrated. And so, yes, I remember a lot of it. And from the matching process, that part went very smoothly. I actually matched with a couple in New Jersey. The agency I was with was in New Jersey. Um, we flew out and had a brief meeting, but it was all in conjunction with the initial testing. So then it was, you know, you're, you're just caught up in all these words that you've never even heard before and, and these mm. tests that you've never been through and been before and, and everything went great. It was fine. That part was all smooth. I, I love them. They love me. Um, we kept in touch pretty regularly during the whole testing phase and, you know, then you've got your psyche valves and how crazy are you? You're the right amount of crazy. Great. And <laughs> here's 29 vials of my blood. Okay, go test me for every communicable disease. Great, you don't have any. Cool. Next step. Um, so it was that was that was just that was kind of overwhelming initially, just because I didn't I, I just didn't know I didn't know how much was involved. But um, you know what? That's kind of why you go through an agency because they have prepared you as much as possible and they've given you a checklist of what to expect and. You know, that's that's kind of huge when you really just don't know what you're doing. And how could you have any idea unless you've been through this before? Right. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah. So matching and then we moved on to cycling. And that was where my first big um, eye opening experience of things do not go the way you expect them to go. Because I never had any issues getting pregnant with my child, with my son, and then with the, the um, unplanned pregnancy before all of that. Like, I just thought you you think that because you can carry your own children easily, that it's going to happen easily. You just expect that cycling will not be no big deal. And for many people, it's not. But for me, I had estrogen issues. I had lining issues the first couple cycles. I was getting fluid, and that particular clinic did not, they canceled you the minute they saw fluid in your, and in, in they just canceled the cycle. Um, that's not been my case, my, my experience since then, but this particular one. So I went through, I think, three canceled cycles before we actually got the okay to transfer and that was incredibly frustrating and you know tons of hormones tons of injections tons of estrogen tons of tears mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um but you know my, my intended parents were so patient and they were like you know it's okay we're going to figure this out we'll get there and they kept tweaking and so anyhow 
you go through all of that, you finally get to transfer and, and it's, it's such a blip in time, like that moment, but it's also like ingrained in your memory because it's such a cool moment of seeing this teeny tiny embryo, like on the screen usually. And, and knowing, and for in our case, I think she was a nine-year-old embryo. <laughs> like, like I was like, there's a nine-year-old going into my uterus. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. The technology, the technology behind all of this, that's always fascinated me, the science. Yeah. So... After that, we, we were pregnant. We, we got one baby, healthy, easy pregnancy. Um, and then, of course, lots of back and forth during and excitement and anxiety and hoping everything goes right and hoping you're doing everything right and realizing everything you eat and everything you do and everything you breathe affects somebody else's child and it takes on a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So that, it was definitely a lot of, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just such a completely different experience than carrying your own pregnancy. There's just nothing... Nothing comparable. I mean, of course, certain things, but it's just so much more when yes, it's for somebody else. I agree. Yep. yep I definitely yep. agree. So um, how was your relationship with the parents during the pregnancy? Um, how did how did that go? They were great. I mean, we, we kind of, we stayed in touch pretty frequently. Like we had, and again, I'm very thankful for that because I didn't know what to ask for up front, but they ended up being a very good match for me. We, we both were very comfortable with lots of emails back and forth. And so there was probably at least a few times a week we were touching base and checking in and, you know, current cravings and how are you feeling? And here's the appointments coming up. And, um, and, and they sent, they sent lots of like at the beginning, they sent pictures of their family and their babies, their baby pictures and, you know, their dog and the places they like to vacation. So we really like, they wanted to get to know me as much as they wanted me to get to know them. So, um, that was good. We had a very good level of communication during, um, and after I delivered, they stayed in touch. They sent quite a few photos during the first couple months in particular, which for me is very helpful during the transition phase. Um, and I actually got to go fly up and meet her in person again at about nine months old so Aww. all of that that was about as good as it could get for a first time like we we had a really good experience and we actually tried for a sibling project with the remainder of their embryos but um they just didn't stick around they weren't very good yeah. quality so but yeah well, we, we we were very bonded well that's really good and i mean i know that it's different for everybody and it's unique for yep. everybody when it comes to that but it really does um it gives you a good feeling when you know you can continue on because like I try to tell a lot of intended parents, it's the relationship that you have when you're a surrogate and what you get attached to is not necessarily the baby. It's the relationship. Oh, with no. the parents. Yes. That's, that's always what I, when people talk about giving away, quote unquote, away mm-hmm. the baby, or it's, it's not away, it's giving back, first of all, like mm-hmm. this was never my child, but mostly that's what I always tell people. I'm like, I am never bonded to this child. Like when, when you're pregnant with your own baby, you're dreaming about 10 toes and 10 fingers to count and tiny kisses and first outfits. And like when you're pregnant as a surrogate, you're thinking about your parent, the, the parents having those moments and finally getting to experience it. Like it's never about you and this child. It's always about what you and the, these parents are doing together. Right. So, I mean, of course the entire experience for me has always been about my relationship with them and the communication that you can, that you have with them during. Yep. And then, yeah, if that just goes away abruptly. That, that can be very, challenging yes, afterwards but. definitely what what would you recommend when looking at a match like you know obviously you got to choose who you worked with the parents get yeah. to choose who they work with but for you what was um what you utilized as far as like the criteria to yeah. match? 
I mean, there's definitely been a couple of times, as you may or may not remember. I mean, that was like, there's been times where I'm like, yeah, not this one. I, this is not right for me or this doesn't feel right. And yeah. next one. So, yeah. So you read through, you know, each other's, you, you put like what, three, three paragraphs together, essentially, which is supposed to be your entire life on a piece of paper that you present to somebody and hope that they, you know, may or may not give them enough information to know whether they might want to work with you and vice versa. So that, that part can be challenging too, with all the, the paperwork, but you know, I think the biggest things that I always look for when I read through is does anybody have boxes checked, you know, in terms of choices, like who's making which choices and, um, you know, lifestyle, like, are, is there anything, and, and communication is definitely the biggest one, communication and relationship afterwards. If somebody ever flat out said, and I don't, I, I'm putting this caveat out there. I don't ever want this to mean that somebody should lie. <laughs> Please don't lie. On, because if you feel that way, you should absolutely put it on there. Like if you do not want contact after 10,000%, please put that on there for both mm -hmm. of your sakes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like that would be a reason I would not choose to work with somebody. If they knew flat out that there was zero chance that they were going to have any kind of communication afterwards, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. And I mean, that doesn't mean I want to expect to be your best friend. I don't, you know, expect to hear from you all the time, but but for somebody to completely know that they're going to cut you off after and there's not going to be, that's too, that's too quick for me. Like I've always said, we'll just kind of leave it as long as they're comfortable kind of playing it by ear. That's more what I prefer. So the type of communication relationship afterwards, and then of course, whether or not you disagree on any of the major, you know, termination and, and just who's making decisions about what, what you would terminate for. Um, those are really the kind of key things that I was always paying attention to when I looked at a profile. So, and what about, and I'm going to jump back actually to your first journey with the pregnancy and also ask this when it comes to matching as well, um, with the delivery and yeah. having the parents be present in the room. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know for myself with my intended parents, I was definitely like, I don't care. I don't care who's in here. Look, when I'm in, when I'm going through labor, I just want to be left alone. Let me just labor in peace. And do I don't thing. care if the whole county is in here. It makes me no difference. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted them to want to be there. Like I wanted parents who wanted to be involved, you know, if they were close enough to come to an appointment or two, I, I, I wanted them to want that involvement. So for me, like if you said, I don't need to be there for delivery, that would have been kind of like, oh, why don't you want to be there for the birth of your child? Um, yeah, because I, I did not, you know, of all of my surrogate deliveries, I think I only had a support person once and the other times it's always just been the parents. And that's, that's what works for me. Like I don't need my own person. I've got plenty of nurses and doctors who are there to look out for me. Mm -hmm. This was about their baby coming into this room. And, and for me, the most like special moment anyway is really when they lay eyes on their child for the first time. Like that, mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. That it's like, you've just gone through however many hours of agony and stress and mm -hmm. that moment that, that they get to lay eyes on this child that they've been waiting for is just, it's incredible there's nothing like it so yeah i definitely wanted them to want to be there for that yeah definitely so now share how many times you've been a surrogate uh, <laughs> that's so weird even saying it out loud it's been five times now <laughs> <laughs> That was like a lot. Yes, yes. And I know, it, and obviously you're, I don't think your situation is more is as common, really. Yeah. A lot of people do the cutoff um, no more than six deliveries, but I think you're 
unique with your um what did they what did the one of the doctors call it your golden uterus <laughs> probably dr spiro <laughs> he may or may not have said something along those I know he already told me after this last time that he'd see me again. And I was like, you're funny. No, you won't. He's like, no, I'll see you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So, so um, share with me with your other journeys up until your very last journey. The summary version. The of, summary of, version. Yeah. yeah. Summary version. Okay. Good. Summary version. So, yeah. So uh, my first surrogacy, I think I her, I guess, 2007. Um, single, all females, by the way, I'm just gonna put that out there now. Apparently yeah. my uterus prefers girls, all girls for four to five different families now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Fiona was number one, singleton girl. Samantha was number two, singleton girl about a year. That, those two were fairly close. To, no, that one two and a half years apart. Um, and then twin girls for a couple, um, that was 2011, I believe. And then I had my daughter after that. And then uh, Samantha, no, not Samantha, uh, Taylor. So that was, when was that? Was that, about, that was almost two years ago now, I think. And yes. then, yes, yes. Almost and then the current couple, then the current, well, not current, most recent, <laughs> four week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth. So that's it. I think, I think that's all of them. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's all of them. How, um, for, for the ones obviously that, um, you have delivered and, you know, with the relationships with the intended parents throughout the years, how has that been for you? So all of them have really, fated at different points in time. Um, and it's just kind of like, I, I'm sure that I could have, I could be more, I could reach out more than I do to. And I don't think that I would be rejected if I reached out, but I also don't feel the need to, you know, like it's, it's kind of, in my opinion, like my personal experiences, it's, it's pretty natural for, especially when you're not like super physically close to each other, pretty natural for it to fade after probably the first year or so. Um, I had one couple, um, from almost 10 years ago now they sent Christmas cards like every year and that was kind of and, and I'm on I'm connected via Facebook I mean thank God for the internet because mm-hmm. that's really the easiest way to kind of maintain neutral communication where you can still see updates and pictures every now and then but you're not you don't have to neither of you have to like intentionally reach out to the other person yeah. so if people are comfortable with that I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of, of connecting online but you both have to be comfortable obviously with you know whatever it is you share being seen by each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it makes a really nice kind of neutral way to see pictures, see updates without having to, you know, without them having to text you directly or email you directly and you don't have to reach out and ask for a quick check-in. Um, I like that. But yeah, so I'm connected via Facebook for three of my family. So every now and then I'll go pop, in, you know, just be like, oh, I wonder how they're doing. And I'll just pop in and be like, oh, look at that cute picture. They did swim lessons or look at that parade that they were at and like that's really nice for me but that's really the level of communication that I have anymore with most of the families um and some have been more more abrupt than others that with the the one family that is local to me they actually invited me to the um, birthday parties every year and that was we got to see each other in person and that was fantastic but we didn't really communicate that much between so you know it's kind of like whatever their comfort level is I've always been fine with that as long as I usually need to get through about the first three months after delivery. And then I'm like, okay, whatever level you're comfortable with is fine. Like I'm 
hormones have started shifting. We're leveling back out. I'm feeling more myself again. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So if somebody was considering becoming a GC, what would you, what would you like recommend to them? What would you say to them? I would say to, I mean, definitely, of course, first and foremost, do your basic research on what is entailed in terms of timeline. Do not expect that this will be a fast process. The fastest that I have ever had things go when everything went perfectly smooth is about a year from start to finish. And that's short. Like I will just, that is short. That is the very best case scenario. Like when embryos are ready and testing goes really smoothly and everything just kind of clicks into place. Um, don't expect that this is a quick way to do anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that committing about two years of your life is probably like a minimum expectation you should have in your head in terms of what am I doing for the next couple of years? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you've got a move planned or something major happening within the next couple of years, it might not be the right timing for you. Yep. Um, and that's okay. Um, and, and then just whatever you can do, I think to make sure you've got a great support network in place and, and kind of, you know, talk to somebody if possible, talk to somebody who's been through it. You know, if, if it's an agency you're going through, they can connect you with somebody, obviously with you, you've been through this yourself. So you have a lot of great information and, um, you know, point people towards resources and, and support groups. I think support groups are fantastic. Just having, not feeling alone, like you're never alone. You've never, the only one that's been through whatever you're going through, it's okay to reach out and ask a question, like, please ask questions. More questions are great. Somebody, somebody will be happy to answer them. Um, and I think that just having as much information as possible and kind of thinking through what do I need out of this relationship? Um, what do I expect? Like just trying to figure out where you stand and what would make this a good experience for you, what you can handle. Um, you know, what, what would the more information you know about yourself and what you want, the better you can communicate that to a potential match and the more likely you are to find a great couple for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm going to kind of change it a little bit and ask, is there a bad side to surrogacy, do you think? I, I mean, I think that that's relative. I mean, there, there's, of course, you know, you're going to hear horror stories about anybody from either side. So there's, I think the only bad side for me has ever been when something, when I had an expectation, when I allowed myself to have an expectation and then it wasn't met, whether it's a relationship or the way something was handled, the way something was communicated that, you know, that it's, it's, we're all human. Like it's bound to happen that you have a miscommunication or that somebody expected something on either side and it wasn't met. And then there's frustration and, and it, that dynamic between you as a carrier and them as a couple can be very tricky. Like neither person wants to upset the other person because there's flow back and forth. And especially I always really wanted to make sure that my parents felt comfortable telling me whatever it was they needed to tell me. Like if there was just something that they weren't happy about or for whatever reason, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a mind reader. They're not mind readers, but that's kind of why I highly recommend going through agencies. I, I mean, seriously, I've, I've matched every, I should put that out there. I've also matched multiple ways. I've matched independently. I've matched directly through a lawyer matching service and I've matched through two different agencies. Um, and obviously I've stuck with you for the last few years because <laughs> I like having some, having that experience level there, like not trying to figure it out yourself and having a third party to know that, you know, the parents have a safe place where they're bouncing things off of you. Is this okay? We're concerned about this, whatever, knowing that that will find a way back to me. Like if, if there's something that I can do differently or yeah. communicate differently, but they weren't comfortable saying it to me directly. I think that that's really, really important. 
Yeah. To give everybody a third party buffer. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another question that I just recently thought about is obviously because you do have two children and they're older. What was, what did your children think? So um, my Neither of them could have really cared less. <laughs> um, I mean, I explained very carefully. Both of them were about the same age when I did my first one for their, like about six-ish when I did my first one that my son would have been aware of and about the same age when, um, I guess my daughter was a little bit younger when I did the first one she would have been aware of. Um, but with my daughter, the only thing that she cared about was verifying beyond a shadow of a doubt that that child was not coming home. With oh my us. God, my son was a same <laughs> Like, no, I am the baby of this family and I will remain the baby of this family. Yeah. And that was all that mattered. Yeah. And so she was cool as long as I was like, no, this is, this is their, their baby. She couldn't carry it. And she didn't care about any of that. She just was like, not coming home with us. Cool. Great. I'm the baby. Mm-hmm. And like, really, I mean, my son was, he was actually in the delivery room um, with my, my first surrogacy. And I remember him kind of playing his little Game Boy or whatever, and like ch- checking on me every now and then. And, but like, so they were very aware. They've been very involved. But if you, this is always my thing with kids in general. If you treat it as something that's kind of normal and you explain it calmly and like this is no big deal, honestly, that's generally how they take it. And that's kind of been my attitude with my kids. Yep. It's it's so I've I've treated it that way, and um, and that's kind of how they both feel about it. I don't, yeah. I don't think either of them have any real strong memories either way. Yeah. I mean, I think my kids are the same way too. I mean, I know my youngest son, he was just like, as long as these babies aren't coming here, I'm good. I don't care about anything else. As long as I remain the baby, I'm exactly. fine. Is this, um, this isn't changing our family dynamic? Yeah. Cool. Yep. 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 Exactly. Um, but I was happy, especially for my older children, for them to really kind of see what it really meant to be selfish yeah. somebody else. Yeah. I think it's a great thing to model for your children if it's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and it's, and it's an opportunity to have all sorts of interesting conversations about pregnancy, about surrogacy, about, you know, medical issues, about science. I mean, like, there's just, it's really awkward. opens up a lot of doors to have really cool conversations with your kids about a lot of different things, especially if they're interested in any of those things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. Um, and, you know, I... When I did, when I like, when I decided that I wanted to be a surrogate, obviously I was definitely concerned, even with my children and how, um, you know, how are they going to be able to explain it to their friends and yeah. how, yeah. you know, are they going to really feel about it or whatever? And surprisingly, though, they were just like, no, it's just something that my mom is doing. I mean, she's helping somebody else. They can't have children, and so she's, you know, doing this for them. And yes. As a family, we're all part of it, and we all are going through this in our own way. But um, you know, it's not anything that we're embarrassed about or ashamed of, or yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. I wanted to keep a secret. It's you know, it's something that we're doing for another family, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how kids are great at just simplifying things down to the basics. They're mm-hmm. very good at that. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, exactly. So, well, I know that um, I'm not going to take up much of your time anymore, um, but I do appreciate you being willing to kind of share your perspective and kind of your experiences. Is there anything that um, you know now that you wish you had known when you first started or even throughout your other journeys? I really, I mean, I think the biggest lesson I learned after that first one is kind of what I've said a few times is just 
know yourself as best you can, but realize that there's just, there's no guarantees, first of all. And you can only take so much responsibility, like as much as personally, we like all take all of this very personally. A lot of this is going to be completely out of your hands, and out of your control in terms of whether a transfer sticks, whether things go the way they're supposed to, whether the embryos look good or not. Like, I mean, there's just, there's so many variables along the way and it's really hard not to be like, what could I have done differently? I should have done, I could have done better. I could have, and like, you just, you have to learn to kind of give yourself a little bit of grace and, and allow for the fact that. Things are not always just going to go the way that you had hoped that they would go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, um, I think just, just trying to not hold anybody, not, not to go into it with big expectations and, uh, and demands on somebody else's behaviors and whatnot. Like I just, I think that allowing there to be a lot of fluidity and allow things to change and kind of grow naturally between you and the parents, you know, and especially there with that relationship, I think it's, really important to just allow for things to kind of evolve naturally and not to go in with like a set list of we're going to have this type of relationship and this type of communication and they're going to talk to me this often and I'm going to tell them these things because it's going to change and that's okay Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely absolutely well I appreciate your time and thank you very much for joining me thank you for having me awesome thanks Thank you for joining us in the Fertility Cafe. Whether you're an intended parent, a woman considering egg donation, thinking of becoming a surrogate yourself, or a friend or family member of someone dealing with infertility, we're here to help. Visit our website, thefertilitycafe.com, for resources on fertility, alternative family building, and making this journey your own.